Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, what's going on? And welcome to Strange Talk with Doc. This was a hot week, people. We had a lot going on. We had the UFC. We had Major League Baseball. We had the NBA. We had a huge Powerball, Daylight Savings Time, early voting. We had Kanye and Kyrie. We had the WWE, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, NFL and NBA, and we're going to get to all of that. We are going to touch on each and every one of those subjects, but I want to talk about what the subject matter is for the show today. Faith does not always match reality, or at least my faith does not always match my reality, and I have had to come to grips and come to terms with that, and there's ways that I learned to do this. There's first three words that we need to fully understand before we can even delve into this situation. One is perception, which is the, the act of anticipation, foresight. Then we got the act of viewing, a mental image, a capacity for comprehension. That's perception. Then faith. Faith is a firm belief in something for which there is no proof, like a belief in God or in doctrines or teachings of a religion. It's the obligation of loyalty or fidelity to a person, promise, or an engagement. That's faith. Reality is the state of things as, as they are, rather than as you imagine them to be. Something that is real. Something that is realistic. So going into that, faith is unseen. Faith is unknown. But it must include some form of works on the person who has faith for it to even be activated. So faith without works is nothing. So we have to start there. And then Nietzsche said, faith means not wanting to know what is true. Uh, that means in his ideas, faith just means that you are afraid to accept the reality of whatever is going on in your life. Your perception is bad. I tend to disagree with Mr. Nietzsche on this point. We have morality and natural laws uh, that govern us. These things are true. Uh, people are gripped with fears of the unknown, so they ask God for answers. Does he answer? Maybe no. But also remember, God cannot lie. But we treat God as though he is Santa Claus. And this is where our expectations and our faith run into a brick wall. If you think that your God is some form of a Santa Claus or some form of just a gift giver, you blow the whole concept of what faith really means because our expectations, our perceptions, right, have to lead us into a general 
course of action that we accept things one as they are. So I'm not going to totally degree, disagree with Mr. Frederick Nietzsche on this. You know, if you're going to be rational, there are moral laws, mortality laws, there are natural laws. You can't faith 80 years old and say, God, no matter how much you believe that you're going to wake up at 10 years old tomorrow or that you get to relive days that are gone. But when I think about my faith not matching my reality, I always ask myself, what do I ask for to begin with? Are the things that I ask for from a higher power, spiritual power, the universe in in inherence with what one I deserve? Because there's not much that I deserve or much that I have earned other than the things that I put hard work in. And even those are not granted and guaranteed success. Failure is just a bigger part of reality as success is. This is how we get to rearrange things. This is how we get to fix things. This is how we get to improve upon things. How we learn more things about things. Um, so I never ask for anything because I have never, and I'm going to make this very clear, me as a person, I have never heard God's voice. I have never claimed to have been touched by God. I have claimed, I have never claimed to have met any kind of angel. I do not blame, claim to be super blessed any more than any other human being walking on the face of the earth. But I also have been all around this country. And I've been all around this country in some bad locations by myself. And I have never ended up with even a scar, not even a scratch on my body. I have never been in a situation that I could not get out of. And does that mean that even though I don't ask for these things and do some form of faith that God still blesses me? That could be a hundred percent true because I have been, you name it, you name a hood. I've been there. I've been to California. I've been to Connecticut. I've been to the South Bronx at four in the morning by myself. I've been in Bed-Stuy walking by myself. I've been to Gary, Indiana. I've been to the five wards. I've been out in Vegas. I mean, I've been in Dominican Republic. I have traveled. I have been a lot of places. I've been in too many places to, to, to mention right here because I'm not trying to, to uh, give myself a tap on the back because I left the fucking block. No, that's not what this is about. But once again, I have been all these places and I've been all these places by myself. I have walked the street with no fear by myself and not even a scratch. In 50 plus years, I have never been a victim of anybody. And maybe... That is not even realizing that I have such faith in God that he protects me even when I don't even ask him to protect me. Because I understand also that there's things in life that I deserve. Now, I'm going to go into that next week further. Something happened to me that was devastating, but also the greatest moment of my entire life. But I'm saving that for next show. I don't want to get into that now. And in that situation... God did reveal things to me that I needed to see to wake up, to take the veil and the scales off my eyes so that I can move forward with this life and not be held uh, myself at fault, not who the universe at fault, not blame God, but be able to 
literally look in the mirror and point my finger at that man standing there and say, this is on you, son. You did this to yourself. And for that, you bear the responsibilities. You bear the weight and you bear everything that comes with it. I don't blame a God. I don't blame an unseen sight for anything that goes wrong with me. If anything I ever pray for in this life is I pray for the strength to make it through the situation that I'm in, not to remove me from the situation. See, I'm not built cowardly like that. I don't want to be removed from any situation. I want to be able to have the knowledge, the foresight, and the strength to make it through what I must bear. And I think that shows a lot about a human being's character. Do you pray to run away, especially in situations that you might have created, and then you have the nerve to say that you, your faith does not match your reality, that you have stronger faith? No, you are hoping, wishing, and praying for Santa to remove you from a situation that might be 100% for you. You have to, or we should learn. There are things that we put ourselves in jackpot situations. And this is from a boy who grew up Catholic, but then spent the most of his life as an atheist. I didn't have a come to Jesus moment in life. I just grew up and I started thinking that there are some things out there that are bigger than me. There are things out there that control this entire universe. I am not the end all be all everything does not revolve around me nor should everything revolve around me i am not smart enough i am not strong enough i did not create one drop of air that blows i can't make the waves and the sea move nor can i make the sun and the moon rise and shine so i understand that there are powers out there what you place the name of your power on is on you. I do not guide anybody left. I do not guide anybody right. I am a person that does believe that you should have faith, but you should direct your faith accordingly. You should be able to take some responsibilities. You are obligated. You are obligated as a person, if you are a person of faith, to know the difference between foolishness and between faith, between what is right, what is law, and what is possible. I gave you the scenario of the 80-year-old man who has faith through the yin-yang, but he's not being realistic because he is praying and hoping and believing that tomorrow he will wake up as a 12-year-old back in high school, and it's not going to happen. So match your faith to your reality, and then sometimes you have to reform your reality to meet actually your faith. Because we have to think about what's metaphoric and what's literal. God didn't give any man the power to move a literal mountain. Even though it's written, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can move mountains. No man has ever moved a literal mountain. So we have to look at what it says, delve, delve deeper into what it says, and then be realistic about anything that is written. Now, I appreciate you sticking with me. Uh, if you think that I'm wrong about something, hit me up. You know the deal. I'm always open to discussion. I'm always open to suggestion. I'm always open to correction because I'm not a know-it-all, okay? 
And now it's time to move on to the regular portion of the show. I appreciate you, and I hope that you stay strong and you remember your perception, your faith, and your reality, and make them all into one accord. Okay, so Tuesday is Voters Day. You had plenty of time, people, to get to the polls early, wherever you are, but please vote. I'm not telling you how to vote or who to vote for. You know who the idiots are. You know who the smart people are. When people are saying just bogus bullshit, don't vote for them. It's only going to get worse. You know who's saying something that might be normal and intelligent? Maybe that's who you vote for or the person that is for your agenda. So we are in daylight savings time. It screwed my day up totally yesterday. First of all, I woke up, let's say, 1 o'clock. So this was before the clock went back. 2 o'clock pops up. We go back to 1 o'clock. So now I've basically lost an hour. I go to bed last night, an hour later, which means I lost another hour somewhere or another. I mean, I wish we would stop this daylight saving time. Now, since night comes earlier, we have our women and children coming home in the dark. Then when we spring ahead, we have our women and children going to work and school in the dark. We, we need to fix this. We are not a farming country anymore, and it's time for this thing to end. We need to have a universal American time. you got the Western, Pacific, Central, and Eastern time zones, and that's good enough. Some cities and states do not even conform to this. They leave their clocks as is. So we'll see. One day, maybe some smart person can put this into law and we can get this foolish daylight savings times off the book. You got $2, people? You got $2? I'm not asking for your $2, but Powerball is $1.9 billion. That is a world record amount of money. Uh, the take-home is going to be over $900 million. This is generational wealth. I am not telling you to gamble. You might have a problem with gambling. This might be a trigger for you, and I apologize. So don't take it that way. I'm not endorsing this nor do i work for these people but 1.9 billion dollars and if you are a decent good soul the amount of good that you can do in this world with your share of this money is astronomical you can't buy your way into heaven but boy you can take some you can help some people eat you can clothe the people who don't have clothes you can give medicine to people who have no access to medicine internet you can do a lot of good. So just remember that. It's $2. What do you really have to do? I said it last week. That is eight quarters, 20 dimes, and 200 pennies. And if you use hard, cold cash, it's two Washingtons, okay? So the rapper takeoff was shot and killed on Tuesday at a bowling alley in Houston, Texas. I'm not going to be one of those uh, podcasters that's going to go into any background on the man. And I'm not going to sit here and talk about any gangster shit or the dice game. I don't care about that. I played plenty of games of dice and I played for big stake money. I mean, I've walked away from dice games with over 10 G's. So I am not talking about just three friends shooting dice. I've been to gambling halls with thugs and gangsters in Brooklyn used to hang out on Gates Avenue. These are late night games with big time players. And that's why you can walk out of those games with five, 6,000. Takeoff was a young man. He had his whole life ahead of him. He was 28 years old. 
Uh, my major problem, other than the fact that this young man lost his life, and it happens way too often for the takeoffs and the regular Joe who lives on any neighborhood block in America and around the world, is that people have no respect for the dead. They're posting these graphic videos. They're posting these graphic image, uh, images on social media. Uh, have some, if you loved him as an artist, if you enjoyed his music, if he touched your soul, don't like, subscribe, share, retweet, anything that does has anything to do with somebody being cold-bloodedly murdered. You don't need that in your life. You don't need to spread that to other people. It's horror. There are people who this will damage. There are some people who this will turn on and then will strike a match in their soul that's going to be either wicked or hurtful. So leave stuff like that alone. Say your piece to, to take off if that's what you want to do. Listen to his music. Dance to it. Uh, you could even send well wishes to his family and friends. But don't share graphic images of any human being life being taken. If you like them or dislike them, leave that kind of wickedness alone. So I have now grown 100% tired of Kanye and Kyrie. And I'm hoping that this is my last time really talking about Kyrie and Kanye. So Urban took responsibilities for his tweets. He claimed he's going to donate $5,000, $500,000 towards groups that eradicate hate. So far, the ADL said that they were turning down that half a million dollar donation. Then on 11-3, the net suspended him for at least five games without pay. Knight then suspended him, his partnership, and said that they will not release his Kyrie 8 shoes. He has no ongoing contract with Nike after that. So this is starting to hit him in his pocket. You know, the five games are going to cost him like $1.2 million. The sneakers, we don't know what that could cost, right? Then the Nets come up after taking forever. They came up with a five-part deal, really a six-part deal, before he can actually return to the team. And I'm going to tell you what they are. One is he has to verbally apologize. He has to complete sensitivity training. He must meet with local Jewish leaders before he's allowed to return. And after completing parts one to five, he must then meet with Joe Tsai and the league franchise officials and demonstrate that the lessons that he learned and he understands the gravity and the harm caused in this situation is fully understood and then provide insurances that this type of behavior will not be repeated. I say that we have more than likely seen the last of Kyrie Irving as a new Brooklyn net. I don't see Kyrie being able to, one, complete this, because his first deal is he's going to say, I apologized already. He's not going to want to verbally apologize. And anything he does at this point in time seems forced. Anything he seems says or does seems disingenuous. There is nothing that will seem organic and genuine about a man being told by his boss that he must apologize. He must complete sensitivity training. When you're forced to complete sensitivity training without wanting to do it on your own and it's not organic, 
it is fake and it's fraudulent. Kanye, I have, like I said, I have really nothing else to say. I want to move on from him. Kyrie, the only reason I'm even bringing him up is because he's an NBA basketball player for a team that not that I like because I'm a San Antonio Spurs. The other 31 teams in the league are shit to me. I'm that loyal. I only care about the San Antonio Spurs, but he is a big time player in the NBA and he does play for my hometown Brooklyn team, even though I am not a fan. And I wish that this young man can get his shit together, but I have no faith in him because he has no reason to have faith in somebody who repeatedly fucks up. This dude is, I said it before and I'm going to say it again. And I say it to anybody who asks me or anybody who will listen to me. He's not a matter of F. He is a matter of when. And when you become a matter of when, you are in a position where people already know that you're going to screw up. It is not F. It's just when. Is it going to be in a situation where we really need you and you go off the deep end? Or is it going to be when everything is peaceful and quiet and we think everything's together and you're going to do it? That's much like Kanye. So I actually started calling them Kanye Irving and Kyrie West because they're one in the same just from different points of vantage in their careers. Both highly successful, entertaining men who are not many people can do what they do, but they also can't seem to control their emotions. They can't control their, uh, they can't control their impulses to do and say things no matter what the consequences are because they think that they could talk their way out of it because they're brighter than the rest of us. They know more than we do and everybody else is sleeping and they happen to be the only two awoke people on the planet. Now I watch Saturday Night Live, right? Last week you had Saturday Night Live and you had this Jack Hollow. That show was a shit show. This week you had Amy Schumer and this kid, Steve Lacey, who was total garbage. Saturday Night Live, back-to-back, has been two of the shittiest shows that I've ever seen from Saturday Night Live. Now, they got Dave Chappelle and Black Black Truth or something like that. Black something is performing. But I know Dave Chappelle. And hopefully Dave Chappelle has a hand in writing some of the skits. And if the Dave Chappelle Saturday Night Live show is a flunking stinker, this will be the end of me and Saturday Night Live because why go on when when you have one of the greatest comedians of all time and you can't even put on a, a decent show? So I'm holding faith that, that that will hold tight. Now, I didn't watch last night's episode of The Walking Dead, but I seen the, uh, the last week's episode where humanity finally showed up. Humanity showed up. Negan and his wife was in a situation and they needed these guards to show that there was some kind of humanity left in them, that they just wasn't a part of the system. They wasn't totally brainwashed by the dogma that was put out there. And they did a good job of showing that some people are still going to have some humanity. I thought the ending was pretty hot with Mercer making a declaration that we're going to fuck some shit up. Now, we only have two episodes left. And I'm hoping between this episode that I'll be watching today and the episode, the finale, that they fuck some shit up royally and properly. We shall see. 
there was also a great scene in there with an interaction between Negan and Ezekiel. You know what? You don't always have to forgive somebody for their actions. And this was Ezekiel explaining in a very human, unangry type way that some things are unforgivable. And no matter how you move on in life, people still will hold you accountable as an adult for some of the things that you have done to them personally or to have done to people that they love. So that was pretty good. This American Horror Story is um, it's an outstanding season. It's creepy. It's overly gay. It's dealing with the unknown. It's dealing with AIDS. And it's also, I think in a way, I would love for a gay, lesbian, or transgender person to call in and have a conversation. Only take five minutes. They are what I would consider as a heterosexual doing a very big disservice to gay men. They make them over-sexualized. They don't give a rat's ass about anything. I mean, they could be in the middle of a murder and everybody's horny. I mean, this is the middle of the AIDS crisis. I mean, well, nobody even knows that AIDS exists right now. They think it's some form of cat cancer or they don't know why they're getting these marks on their body. But like in the middle of like hunting down a killer, it's like, hey, I, I can't I can't move another second unless I have you sexually. I thought that was kind of crazy. I did a marathon of Abbott Elementary. And if you have not watched Abbott Elementary, please do yourself a favor. This is a good show. If you have children, your children will probably love it with you. This is not going to be uh, anything salacious. It's not dirty. It's not about innuendos. They don't do double entendres. This is uh, a lot like The Office, but in a school setting of little kids and it's written well. It's acted well. I, I love the facial expressions. I really enjoy this show a lot. So the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame was this weekend. And the performers that were entered were Pat Benatar and Neil Giraldo, Duran Duran, Eminem, The Arrhythmics, Dolly Parton, Lionel Richie, and Carly Simon. That is a pretty strong class. Now, the Musical Excellence Awards went to Judas Priest, Jimmy Jam, and Terry Funk. The Early Influence Awards were Harry Belafonte and Elizabeth Cotton. The Ahmed Ugant Award was Alan Grubman, Jimmy Levine, and Sylvia Robinson. As amazing as this is, Taylor Swift this week made music history. Every single song on the top 10 Billboard Top 100 charts was a Taylor Swift song. I have never heard of anything like that because obviously it's never been done. If you're making history, that stop being stupid, Doc. If you're making history, that means it's something that has never been done before. That is amazing. Now I'm going to have to go out and listen to this Taylor Swift album, which I have not heard but you know what? I'm always, I, I believe that I own it now and I, I'll go back and I'll check and I'll give you my honest opinion on what I thought this album's all about. So the WWE was in Saudi Arabia, Crown Jewel, Rehard. And you had, uh, I, I'm not going to do it in the order that they were. I just want to talk about each one of these briefly. You had Roman Reigns versus uh, Logan Paul for the undisputed WWE Universal Championship. 
this was an entertaining battle. I like the way Rome's, Roman was acting so surprised every time Paul did something. And you want to know something? Paul does not wrestle as though he's a dude who's only been in the ring three times. This is a young man who was gifted athletically. There's no ifs, ands, and buts about it. He helps to tell a story. He's already got that part down. His athleticism is off the charts, and he should be an inspiration to those who are resting on their laurels, those who are being lazy fucking bums all across any uh, independence, AEW, Ring of Honor, NXT. They should be forced to watch this basically amateur baby put on a show. He put on a show at WrestleMania. He put on a show at Crown Jewel. He's a hell of a performer, and uh, if he wants to go on with this, I don't see why he can't. It looks like he could. The OC for the Judgment Day. Rhea Ripley is still that problem. Rhea Ripley looked great. I liked her outfit. I thought that she brought it. Uh, and the biggest shock of this whole match was that Cole actually mentioned the word bullet club which gave all those fanboys all over the internet and youtube and twitter boners i mean they were just leaking and pissing all over themselves because he mentioned the word bullet club which to a lot of americans does not mean shit if you're not a hardcore wrestling fan you really don't know the history of the bullet club it never was aired on tv here in america but the Judgment Day beat the OC with the help of Rhea Ripley. And my bad, Roman Reigns retained his title against Paul. Bobby Lashley went at it with Brock Lesnar. Now, Bobby Lashley lost, but he won. You know, it's kind of this one of those crazy things. There was no way for Bobby to lose because of the damage that he was inflicting on Brock. So he won even though he lost. It's one of those situations. It does happen in life like that. They made Bobby look like an absolute monster. Brock took the brunt of uh, the beating, which I'm going to say I'm proud of Brock that he has matured enough where he could actually be the dude getting beat upon for a change instead of him just destroying other people. Carrying Cross and Charlotte for it, well, basically, it was Karrion Cross, Charlotte's his woman who guides him to the ring, took on Drew McIntyre in a steel cage match. This was a very entertaining cage match. Charlotte, as Scarlett, as usual, gets uh, into she interferes. I mean, this is the the alley cat of a woman that every man needs when he is in some deep, serious shit in real life. You want a Charlotte, Scarlett next to you who got your back, who's willing to throw down what you, even though the odds look against you, she's going to scratch somebody's eyes out for you. And I, I like the way they, they write her character. Braun, uh, well, by the way, Drew McIntyre won. Braun Strowman went up against Omos. Omos was wearing some new ring gear. He was destroying Braun for quite a while. Braun did one move and actually won. Uh, I don't know what to say, but other than the fact that I thought that almost and Braun Strowman wasn't the shit show that people thought it would be. It was an entertaining, it was an entertaining wrestling match between two humongous men who you can't, you're never going to expect to be doing suplexes from the top rope or drop kicks. And you didn't get any of that. This was all power. It was 
it was the proper length. I thought the writers did a good job with this. Bianca Belair and Bailey for the Royal Women's Championship was the last woman standing. Now, you notice while you watch this match that there was a dress code. Almost no part of a woman's body in Saudi Arabia could be shown but their face and their hands. And I mean that. Only their face and their hands. So the women had to wear the, these uh, Power Ranger jumpsuits. They wasn't the worst. Uh, it looked like the women were able to still move around and do their job. And this was a hell of an entertaining match. Bailey and Bianca together are, are, are great. Bailey is almost great with anybody. I think that Bailey is the female who could literally almost have a great match with a broomstick. You know, that's like the litmus test in pro wrestling. If you can wrestle with a broomstick and make it look good, because I think about Bailey with Sasha. I think about Bailey with. Uh, anybody and it's always been very entertaining this was a good back and forth i love the way that this match ended with bianca not only using her bronze but using her brain because she kept trying to figure out a way to make bailey stay down and she couldn't so she actually used the strongest weapon that she possesses which was her mind the usos fought the brawling brutes for the undisputed tag team championship this was a damn good match again. The Brawling Brutes, I like their style. The Usos are professionals. I mean, they are masters at what they do. Uh, this was good from front to back. I like how they use uh, Butch, even though I would like Butch to get a new outfit. Butch desperately needs a better outfit than that singlet that they have him in. I think he deserves better than that. Uh, but this was a back and forth, a good match. Uh, the Usos won to retain their titles. Then we had Oscar and Alexa Bliss versus Dakota Kai and EO Sky for the WWE Women's Tag Team Championship. Uh, Dakota Kai and EO Sky won when Nikki Cross, who for some reason seems to keep interfering in stuff that has something to do with Bailey, Oscar, and Alexa Bliss, she uh, she made a move on Oscar that uh, allowed for the Sky and Kai team to get the pin and win the titles. I like these young ladies with the championship belt. I don't like Alexa Bliss with Oscar. I think they should be separate. It's not like they're some long-term old friends. Uh, it's an odd pairing. Let them both go on and do their own thing. Even if it means Oscar or Alexa have to turn and start going after Bianca, uh, that would make sense to me. But Or... Even have them go up against, um, go to SmackDown and go up against damn Ronda. But they need to separate them. And I think that Dakota and Eo are great holding on to the belts. And maybe Naomi and Sasha, when they return, will have somebody to go against. Or even Ronda Rousey and uh, Shayna Baszler could go up against them. So the World Series ended. The Astros won the World Series. Now, there were some very interesting things to go on in this series. In game four, the Astros won five to zip. The Astros pitches through a no-hitter. Uh, it was a joint collaboration. And it's the first time a, a team has lost a game by being no-hit since 1956. And that was Don Lawson from the New York Yankees. But in this game, Christian Javier... Rafael Montero, Brian Abreu, 
Ryan Presley all combined to shut out and no hit the Philadelphia Phillies. Then in game six, the Phillies won the World Series. The the MVP was a shortstop, a rookie, only the third rookie to do it, Jeremy Pena. Dusty Baker won the first World Series title as a manager. He's now only the third black manager to win a World Series. Dave Roberts did it with the Dodgers in 2020. Cito Gaston did it with the Blue Jays in 92 and 93. So congratulations to Dusty Baker. Dusty Baker's always been that dude. I mean, I've known him since I started watching baseball in the 70s. He's been around since then. He's a lifer. Uh, I don't like the Astros. I can't stand the Phillies. But if there's any upstart to this whole thing, I will say that Dusty getting his first as a longtime manager so that 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 piece of shit can be taken off his uh, resume that he is the best manager or the most winning manager to never have one. I'm happy for him. Just like I was happy for Joe Torrey when he had that nonsense on his back. Monkeys on your back sometimes like that need to be removed. So we had a UFC card this week. I'm not going to go into each and every fight because it's not worth it. But Genu Fry got knocked out by Pollyanna Vigna. Uh, by punches in round one. Uh, Jenny Fry looked lost from day one in this fight. I mean, there was a point where she was getting punched, but looking over in a direction as though she was looking out into space. And I, I had to even rewind and ask my wife, could you please look at this with me again? Because this looks insane. I mean, you're getting punched in the face and maybe her brain was rattled already and then we didn't even know it. In the, in the main event, Amanda Lemos beat it Marina Rodriguez, not Rodriguez, people, Rodriguez by TKO punches in the third round. Neil Magny beat D-Rod, Daniel Rodriguez, by submission with a Dosh Chote in the third round. And there was a fight on this card that was a little bit, it caused a little bit of controversy. Derek Meaner fought Shailen Nurbandabek, right? He beat him. Nurbandabek beat him by TKO elbows at 107 in the first round. But Las Vegas Gambling Commission is investigating this fight because a lot of money was put on Shailen very late in the day, and they predicted how he would win the fight. And so there's a lot going on there. We'll see how this uh, works itself out. You had a fighter also, Johnny Munoz, who was an asshole on this card, who not only gave a big up to Elon Musk, but he took his time to give a big up to Donald Trump. And then he claims to not want to be political. And then he makes a political statement at the fight. But you know what? We know that UFC... And Dana White's not going to come down on him because he is basically a uh, a Trumpian himself. But I don't think this is the time or the place for it. Now, we got a big car for the USC coming up this weekend. It's from New York City, the world's most famous arena, also known as Madison Square Garden, to you people who have never been to the city of Manhattan, okay? It's on 34th Street. One day you need to go there to see something. The building actually has a life. You will feel 
the energy from that building. I guarantee you. So on this card, we got Israel Alessandra. He's defending his middleweight championship versus Alex Pereira. I got Alessandra actually holding on to the title. The UFC strawweight champion, Carlo the Cookie Monster Expanza, is fighting Yang Wei Li. I think Wei Li finally gets that belt again. You got Daniel, no, Dustin Portier is fighting Michael Chandler. I don't know what Chandler is going to show up. Chandler looked awesome his last fight, but he didn't look that great the other fights. We know that Dustin's got hands. Then you got Dan Hooker versus Claudio Pulas. You got Brad Randall versus Renito Morchano. Dominic Reyes is fighting Ryan Spawn. Aaron Blanchfield is fighting Molly McCann. Molly McCann is actually coming over to America to fight. She has been fighting in London the last couple of times. I want to see how she does without the 100% support of a crowd. That should be interesting. We got Carlos Udelbert versus uh, Nicola Negramagma. Now, you have to forgive me with some of these UFC names because I'm going to tell you now, man, these, some of these names are hard to say, and I'd be a damn liar if I said anything else. And then we got Carolina Kolovinsky versus Silvana Gomez. This should be a pretty good card from New York, and uh, I hope you enjoy it. It's going to be a pay-per-view card. Uh, if it's uh, a championship, double championship card, you know damn well it's going to be a uh, pay-per-view. So good luck. I uh, hope that you can afford to pay it. If not, then catch it on a later date. I know the previews are going to, or the prelims are going to be free on ESPN. So at least you can catch the prelims if worse comes to worse, right? So now let's move on to the NBA. The NBA stripped the 76ers, Philadelphia 76ers of second round picks in 2023 and 2024. After investigation into tampering, during some off-season free agent moves. The 76ers also lost James Harden to a, for at least a month to a foot injury. The Brooklyn Nets have agreed to get rid of Steve Nash. Steve Nash should have never had the job, but Steve Nash cannot be fully blamed for the ills of the Nets. They traded away a lot of talent. They traded away basically a bench. They left him with a Kyrie Irving, who was a disruptor, a Kevin Durant, who is not a leader, but more of a follower. Kevin Durant should be running this team uh, with no ifs, ands, and buts. He should be head and center. This should, should be his team, and it should be a my way or the highway type issue, but he does not take charge like that. Ben Simmons is already the only Two weeks into the season, he's already missing games with injuries. This is a failure waiting to happen, and it happened. Now you got Udaka, Ime Udaka, and the Brooklyn Nets. The Brooklyn Nets have been threatening for a week now to hire Udaka. The powers that be or some Joe size friends have gotten to him and actually told him, during this controversy that you have on this team right now with Kyrie, do not bring this man in because how can you answer questions about a person that we don't even fully understand what the deal is between him and the Boston Celtics? So I'm 100% with the Nets not pulling the trigger on this, waiting and doing the due diligence 
and finding out what exactly is the deal with you, DACA, before you hire him. Now, if it's a nothing situation and something went on between two consulting adults, even though she was a subordinate, maybe you can bring him on. But you have to be able to answer questions about him. You can't say we don't know or we can't talk. That is not the way you bring somebody in to coach a team, any team in any sport. Luka Doncic is starting off his season. Fantastic people. Eight straight games of 30 plus points. The Denver, I mean, Dallas Mavericks are doing well. You got the Bucks start the season at nine and oh. Golden State is sucking ass. The Los Angeles Lakers lost again to go to two and seven. So you got the good, the bad, the ugly. Cleveland Cavaliers are eight and one. Who would have predicted that at this point in the season the Cavaliers would be eight and one? So I'm going to give you my games, what I think are the games of the week. Some things in the games of the week will change. And to further notice, after this week, I will not be putting the Lakers in my games of the week because they're too bad a team. I'm not trying to guide you towards games where one team sucks. So tonight we got the Bucks versus the Hawks. We got the Suns versus the 76ers. And until Harden comes back, the 76ers, this is the last time that I will be calling them in a game of the week. You got the Nuggets versus my Spurs, who are now at 500. They seem to be coming down to earth. Wednesday, you got the Knicks versus the Lakers. Now, don't forget, there's no Kyrie. There's no Ben Simmons. If the Knicks, who have been struggling, mean anything, they should be win this battle with New York. You also have L.A. versus L.A. Then Thursday, you have the 76ers versus the Hawks. Friday, you got the Nuggets versus the Celtics. Saturday, you got the Nets versus the Clippers. Sunday, you got the Nets versus the Lakers. Now, those the two most disappointing teams in the league. Somebody's got to win. Sunday, the Nets versus the Lakers. And then Sunday, you also have the Nuggets versus the Bulls. In the NFL, Dan Snyder made a teaser that he might be thinking about moving forward and selling the Washington Commanders. But into further notice, I'm not going to believe anything Daniel Snyder says or anything Daniel Snyder does until he puts ink on paper and he is no longer the majority owner of the Washington Commanders. And then one of the first things that the owner of the Washington Commanders should do is kill the name Washington Commanders. Start fresh, rebrand again, and move on to something else. So Thursday night football, you had the Eagles beat the Texans 27-19. This is the first time the Eagles have ever started 8-0 in their franchise history. Jalen Hurts had a good game as usual, 21 for 27, 243 yards and two touchdowns. Miles Sanders led the team with 17 carries, 93 yards and a touchdown. And in the revolving who's going to be the good receiver of the week, Dallas Goddard had eight catches for 100 yards and a touchdown. Sunday's game, you had the Jets play the Bills. The Jets won this game 2017. Gang Green's defense allowed just three points in Buffalo's last five possessions. The Jets are for real, at least on defense. And Sauce Gardner is a superstar waiting to happen in the league. Well, congratulations, Jets. The Patriots beat the Colts 26-3. They have won four of their last five games. Matthew Judon went off. He had three sacks, and the Colts just stunk. 
They were 0 for 14 on third down efficiency and 0 for 2 on fourth down. You cannot win games in the NFL like that. In one of the most entertaining games that I've seen in a long time, the Dolphins beat the Bears 35-32. Tua became the first quarterback in Dolphin history with over 300 yards passing, three touchdowns, and no interception in consecutive games. I would have thought Dan Marino would have done that, but obviously he didn't. And yesterday he threw for 200, I mean, 302 yards and three touchdowns on 21 of 30 passing. Justin Fields went off too. He became the first player in NFL history with three passing touchdowns, over 150 yards rushing in the same game. But actually, he rushed for 178 yards, breaking Michael Vick's season game quarterback rushing record. The Vikings beat the Commanders 2017. This is the Vikings' sixth win in a row. Kirk Cousins went 22 for 40 for 265 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. I mean, they were sleeping for 90% of this game. Justin Jefferson had a good game. He had seven catches for 150 yards and a touchdown. Tyler Taylor Henneke threw a bad fourth-quarter interception. Man, uh... And this allowed uh, Minnesota, they, they reeled up 13 straight points. And uh, this Jag, Greg Joseph kicked a 28-yard field goal with 12 seconds to go to give Minnesota the league. This was one of those, I didn't know if the Vikings had just going to shit the bed and let the commanders win. But it's like they woke up in the fourth quarter, especially when Henneke threw that interception. It kind of revived their spirit, and they went on to win this game. The Bengals had a cakewalk against the Panthers. It was 42-21. Joe Mixon rushed for 153 yards and scored a franchise record five touchdowns. Four was rushing and one was a receiving touchdown. Joe Mixon, it could have even been worse. I think the Bengals actually took their foot off the gas on this one. Baker Mayfield came in and did some garbage time stuff to give him some points, and that was that. The Lions beat the Packers 15-9. to Aaron Rodgers matched a career high with three interceptions, two of which he threw in the end zone. He threw interceptions in the end zone within the 10-yard line while he was driving to score. The Packers have lost five straight for the first time since Rodgers was a first-year starter back in 2008. I don't know who Aaron points fingers at. We talked about this earlier. He needs to look at that man in the mirror and start pointing some fingers at that dude. But it should be interesting this week to see how he handles himself with the media, which he does not seem to do very well because it's never him. It's always somebody else. Uh, Actually, we'll talk about the Packers a little more in a minute, but I'm going to move on for now. The Chargers beat the Falcons. Poor Fucking Falcons, man. They always find a way to lose. They fight hard. Marcus Mariota goes out there and gives everything he got. Um, Cordero Patterson runs hard. I mean, it's not a lot to dislike about the Falcons. They're not very good, but they are gritty. I give them that. But, I mean, you know, this Cameron Dickers, he kicked the 37-yard field goal to win the game for the Chargers. But Atlanta could have won this game, and it was a really freaky play. Austin Eckler 
fumbled the boy ball with 34 seconds remaining. Eka's fumble was recovered by the Falcons to Quan Graham. Graham starts running up the field, and then he fumbles. And then the Chargers left guard, Matt Villa, recovered the ball at Atlanta's 43. They made a pass or two. They were in field goal range. Game over. Chargers win. Falcons lose. We had the Jaguars play the Raiders, one of the most disappointing teams in the league. The Raiders get leads on team, and they lose it every week. This time, they had a 17-point lead over the Jaguars. The Jaguars were on a five-game losing streak. A five-game losing streak, and the Raiders lose to them. This Travis Etienne, he ran for 109 yards and two touchdowns. I don't know what you do to fix the Raiders. Uh, Devontae Adams had a good game. Carr is not playing very well. Jacobs was here and there. Waller has been hurt almost all season. Renfro is not the same anymore. I don't know what you could do with the Raiders. I think they got to make some wholesale changes uh, over there. Uh, Las Vegas deserves better. People expected more out of this team, and they're getting less. The Seattle Seahawks beat the Cardinals 31-21. This Keith Walker III, this rookie running back, is pretty damn good. He has 17 carries for 77 yards and two touchdowns. And Geno Smith went 26 for 34 for 275, two touchdowns and one interception. The Cardinals are a hot mess. They really are a hot mess. I don't know what you do to fix them. I don't know if they can be fixed this season. I think Cliff Kinsbury might need to go. The Buccaneers beat the Rams 16-13. Brady guided a last-minute comeback. He only needed 35 seconds to go 60 yards on six plays and set a a game-winning touchdown where he hit Chade Otten on a little rollout to win the game. Uh, The Rams offense stinks. If it's not Cooper Cup, there's nothing going on there. Brady and the Buccaneers took a hell of a long time to to get going. I guess the highlight was this 35-second. I mean, the ball never hit the ground. They did not stop one play. It was bing, bang, boom. This was some GOAT-level shit that Brady pulled on the Rams. And the Rams, the defending Super Bowl champs are something like three and six. And I don't see them improving. And also in this game, Tom Brady surpassed and this is not a flub. I'm not making a mistake. He surpassed 100,000 career passing yards. Now, this is a combination of the regular season and the playoffs. He's thrown for 87,000 yards in the regular season and 13,000 plus in the postseason. In the Sunday night game, you had the Titans versus the Chiefs. The Titans won this game 2017. Patrick Mahomes threw the ball 68 times, people. He completed 43. He threw for 446 yards and a touchdown. He also ran for the uh, tying score and a two-point conversion late in the fourth quarter. Harrison Buckner hit the uh, game-winning field goal uh, in overtime to lift the Chiefs. Derrick Henry did the best that he could do. He finished with 115 yards rushing 
two touchdowns, but he had this rookie quarterback, Malik Willis, out of Liberty, who's just not ready for prime time. But for them to even be in this game is a, is a thumbs up to Henry, the running game, and the defense of the Titans. And also in this game, Patrick Mahomes broke an NFL record for the most passing yards through 75 games, and he only took him 71 to do it. So he's got four more games to pump up this 75 start to the career thing. I mean, I think this is all bullshit when we start making records for who's had the most points for the first 10 games of their career, 20 games. I mean, we do it in all sports, and I think it's kind of stupid. The, the final record is the final record. That's the only ones that really count, right? But so far, like I said, Patrick Mahomes has thrown for 21,596 yards in 71 starts, and that would be a record if he started 75 games. Tonight, we got the Ravens who stand at 5-2. and two. They're going into New Orleans to pay the 5-3 and three Saints, who will still have Andy Dalton on the center. I think that the Ravens desperately need wins, so I don't see the Ravens uh, shitting the bed here. I like the way they looked last week. If they can run that ball, they can beat anybody, and I'm predicting that they will run the ball and beat them. Now, I'm going to give you Week 10's games. We get ready to wrap this bad boy up. We got Atlanta going into Carolina. This is going to be on Amazon. I'm not going to be watching this game. I am not paying for Thursday night football. This is just not going to happen. And I like the Atlanta Falcons to go into Carolina and actually beat Carolina. Sunday, we are in Germany. Sunday morning is a early game. It's going to be on the NFL channel. Those streaking Seattle Seahawks with Geno Smith are playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, Tampa Bay did not look particularly good, even though they got the win, but they're always in the game as long as Brady can make some plays. I think I see Tampa actually winning this game. We got Minnesota's going into Buffalo. Buffalo back is against the wall. They have to rebound from that loss to the Jets, and it's time for Minnesota to take an L. They're not going to continue to win. They're on a six-game win streak, so I'm taking the Bills to win this. Detroit is going into Chicago. This is a division rivalry game, but I like what I've seen out of Chicago yesterday. Even though I thought Detroit defense played better, I'm going to take Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears to whole serve at home. You got the Broncos going into the Titans. Titans win this game. Jacksonville's going into Kansas City. Kansas City is not going to blow this. You got the Browns going into Miami. Miami is going to win this game, even though. Cleveland is coming off a bye. Miami's just better, especially with Tua behind center. You got the Texans going into the Giants. I don't see this as a trap game. I see the Giants actually holding serve and winning. You got the Saints going into Pittsburgh. The Saints are a better team than Pittsburgh. You got the Colts going into the Raiders. I think the Raiders get healthy for once because the Colts just cannot seem to score. So I have the Raiders actually winning. You got my Cowboys going into Green Bay. This is not the week that Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay turns the shit around. It's a one-man show. You stop Aaron Jones from running, you pretty much shut down Green Bay. I got my Cowboys winning this. You got the Cardinals going into the Rams. Boy, this is a shit show here. They both are playing bad. But I like Arizona's offense just a little more with D-Hop, so I'm going to go with Arizona. 
Then the Sunday night game, you got the Chargers versus the 49ers. I like the 49ers. I think the 49ers are just a better, more well-rounded team, especially with McCafferty. So I got them beating the Chargers. And then Monday night football, you got the Commanders versus the Eagles. Now, here's the thing. This is a division rival game. The Eagles are a much more talented team than Washington. We know that. But there's emotion. There's hate. There's rivalry that go into these division games. So I'm going to have Washington actually stopping this win streak by the Eagles. And they've sat around for, it would have been two weeks doing nothing but getting accolades. And I think it's going to go to their head and it's going to finally come back to bite them. So I am taking Washington in a shocker to beat the Eagles in Philadelphia. Now your bye weeks for next week is Baltimore, Cleveland. New England, and the Jets. Next week, my topic is going to be black men. Stop being stupid. Wake the fuck up. And also, I brought this up and I alluded to this earlier. It's going to be the 11th anniversary of one of the top moments in my life that I consider among the worst thing that has ever happened to me and also among the greatest thing that has ever happened to me. Now, I know that sounds confusing, and you ask yourself, how can that be? I'm going to explain on next week's show. And just to recap very briefly, faith, perception, reality. How do you perceive if your faith does not match your reality? Is it because you're overexceeding? You're asking for way too much? You ask them for things that are not meant for you. You have to come to that conclusion. And I'm going to tell you, like I tell you each and every time, people, peace to you and peace to yours. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.